Well, we're going to get straight into our Bible uh, teaching uh, this evening, and it comes from Malachi, uh, Malachi chapter four, uh, verses one to six. Uh, Phil is going to be bringing this message to us, and we're this is the final part of our Malachi series. Malachi is one of those books that maybe we don't venture into every so often, but we're coming towards the end of this series and it's going to be great to hear Phil lead us tonight. Uh, But Malachi chapter four, verses one to six, if you get that open in front of you, if you have a Bible, uh, it would be really helpful. So Malachi chapter four, verses one to six, it says this, surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and evildoer and every evildoer will be stubble. And the day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. But for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its rays. And you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. Then you will trample on the wicked. They will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and laws I gave him at Horeb for all Israel. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. Well, that's our reading uh, for this evening, and I'm going to hand over to Phil, uh, who's going to come and explain that to us. Thank you so much, Phil. It's good to see you. Thanks, Dan. Um, So um, it's good to to start this, uh, this, this chapter by just considering how uh, it's satisfying when uh, a book ends well. Um, so take Jane, Jane Eyre, for example. Um, the last chapter begins with that line, uh, reader, I married him. Uh, call me a romantic, but it's quite satisfying uh, uh, considering all the drama of the book. Uh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows uh, finishes on this line. Harry Scar hadn't bothered him uh, for 17 years. All was well. It's a line that gives a, a reassurance that this is is the end. Uh, it's, it's closure. And Malachi 4 does a similar thing. It finishes off both the book of Malachi and the Old Testament. And in its ending, it leaves us with a hope and a promise of God's grace to come. And we need that ending. Because having read through both Malachi's prophecy and the Old Testament, you can't help noticing the failure of God's people to listen to God. So Malachi's promise throughout chapter four is that failure is not the last word of this book, nor is it the last word of the Old Testament scriptures. So this evening, what I'd like to do is trace the promise of hope and grace through the Old Testament and then through the book of Malachi and then show how that promise of hope is found in Jesus. Why do we need that this evening? Because God wants us to lift our eyes beyond what we see around us. Because if we're honest, what we see around us in our world is mess and brokenness. If not in our health, then certainly in our world and relationships strained by the restrictions of coronavirus. God wants us to see his promise of hope found and fulfilled only in Jesus. And he wants us to put our trust in him. 
He has a greater plan. It will not falter. And it's a plan that will give us a hope and a promised saviour. So let's start by by looking at the big picture view of the Old Testament and see how Malachi reflects that. So our first point this evening, if you're taking notes, is this. Where Israel failed, God's promised Messiah would fulfill. Where Israel failed, God's promised Messiah would fulfill. So one way of, of looking at the big picture of the Old Testament is to follow Israel's relationship to God's uh, covenant law. So the first five books of the Bible make up the books of the law and they outline how God revealed his word to his people and saved them into a covenant relationship with him. So God chose the Israelites. God saved them out of slavery in Egypt and he brought them to Mount Sinai, where he delivered his law to them through Moses. And the purpose of the law was not to save God's people. Rather, the purpose of the law was to show a saved people how they might walk in relationship with their loving and saving God. So the Bible starts with the law. Then after the books of the law come Israel's history books. And the history books are about how well God's people listen to the law, how well they walk in covenant relationship with him. So throughout the history books, God sends people who represents God's law to covenant Israel. Sometimes they're prophets, other times they're good kings. But the pattern is wherever and whenever Israel listens to these representatives, Israel listens to God's covenant law and they flourish. The Bible also contains wisdom books. Those are the books like Proverbs that teach us how to apply God's law, live by God's law, work it out practically. And then there are the books of the prophets like Psalms and Song of Solomon. They're uh, sorry, sorry. (laughs) They're the books of prophets like what we're looking at, Malachi and Isaiah and Jeremiah. The role of the prophets throughout the Old Testament is to call God's people to turn back to God's law and covenant relationship. Now, I realize that that's not the only way to see the big picture of the Bible, but it's helpful when we come to look at the book of Malachi. Because there's a pattern that links Malachi and the big picture of the Old Testament. You see, what Malachi challenges Israel about in his time are the same things that God has challenged Old Testament Israel throughout their history. And in this sense, Malachi's prophecy is a small scale summary of how Israel had historically rejected God's word. So like historical Israel, look at what Israel in Malachi's day was doing as listed in his book. You go to the beginning. They were mocking the offerings and sacrifices at God. Then it says the priesthood had rejected their God. Marriage in the community had become a mockery. They were also demanding God acts like a genie in a lamp and bring judgment on others. But they didn't realize he would judge them first. You know, the generosity of spirit that had characterized God's people had been forgotten in Malachi's day. And to cap it off, as we saw last week. They'd begun to grumble at God, just like their forefathers had done in the wilderness. They believed the grass was greener on the side and they didn't like what God was doing for them. So the picture for God's people in Malachi's day is bleak. The Old Testament seems to end with this truth. God's people could never walk with God by living according to his covenant law. 
But the hope in this final chapter is that the day of the Lord is coming. That that day was a historical promise to historical Israel that one day God's Messiah would come. And the hope then of chapter four is that whereas Israel had failed to listen to God's law and failed to follow in covenant relationship with God, God's Messiah would come. And he would not only listen to God's law, he would fulfill it and bring God's people into a perfect covenant relationship based not on the obedience of Israel, but on the obedience of God's Messiah. And then, and then, so trace it back, trace back through the book of Malachi, all the historical failings of Israel reflected in the book of Malachi. And look how God's Messiah would fulfill all those uh, will fulfill where Israel had failed. He would undo their faithlessness so that when you look at this big picture once more. He would be the perfect sacrifice offered once and for all to take away the sins of the world. He would be the faithful and holy, righteous high priest who would go into the Holy of Holies and represent men before God once and for all. He would be the great fulfillment of the picture of marriage that God wants in the Israelite community. He would be the great messenger who brings justice and bears the wrath of God for the sins of his people. He would be the great generous giver that God's people could never be. And he would be the great, greater Israel who brought glory and honor to his God rather than grumbling and dishonor. So do you see how this broad sweep of the Old Testament and the book of Malachi both reflects the the, the failing of Israel and the fulfillment of the Messiah? And as we get to Malachi 4, what Malachi tells us are the signs to look out for that would show that Israel's Messiah had come. And that's the second point. Uh, this evening, the signs of Messiah, the signs of Messiah. So in, in this last chapter of Malachi, what, what Malachi's done is he said, look, here are the failings of, of the people of Israel. You, you can't manage it, but there is a day coming. And there are three signs that we're to look out for that will tell us the Messiah has come. So listen to Malachi 4 verse 1. Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evil do- doer will be stubble. And the day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. And then verse two. But for you who revere my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its rays. And you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. It's a great picture, isn't it? So the first sign is that the Messiah would. The first sign is that the Messiah would break God's enemies and release those held captive by false teaching. And when Jesus appeared, this is exactly what happened. You know, as he was teaching the crowds, uh, as he was teaching the crowds, all arrogant and evildoers were like stubble before him. The religious ex- elite who had exploited God's people and misrepresented God's law were humbled and humiliated by his righteousness. They were burnt up by the authority of his teaching. And as we read account after account of Jesus's miracles and his teaching and his compassion and his grace and the response of the people to him. They rejoiced at the revelation of God's power and love in him. We're told in Mark and John that healed people literally went away leaping and rejoicing. The crowds were amazed and praised God, saying never before had this kind of authority and power been been seen in Israel. 
That's the first sign. Power, authority, evil overdone, uh, uh, overturned and cast out. But the second sign is that the Messiah would be God's last word. That's the second sign that God's people were to look out for. In other words, he would be the fullest revelation of God that the law and the prophets pointed to. He would be God's last word, the final and complete revelation of God's saving plan, who would meet all the requirements of the law and the prophets. So look with me at Malachi 4, verse 4 and 5. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and the laws I gave him at Horeb for all to see on Mount Sinai. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. To see how Jesus accomplishes this, you have to turn to Mark chapter nine, where Mark describes how one day Jesus took his disciples up a mountain, not Sinai, the mountain of the law, but a new mountain, the mountain of Revelation. And there on that mountain, this happened in verse two of of Mark nine. You can turn to it if you like. Mark chapter nine, verse two. Jesus took Peter and James and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. So here on the mountain of transfiguration, the picture is that Jesus is everything that historical Israel and Israel at the time of Malachi were not. Whereas the law was saying, guys, Follow me. Guys, guys, do what I tell you. And the prophets were saying, turn back to God, turn back to God. What happens here is Moses representing the law. Elijah representing the prophets meet with the truer, the greater, the more fulfillment of Israel himself. God's words summarized by Moses and Elijah meet personally with Jesus Christ. And you know, if that's if that's not enough, God adds another layer. The cloud of the glory of the Lord uh, uh, descends upon that mountain. And from that cloud, that's the cloud of God's presence, by the way. Whenever you see it in the Old Testament, it's always in the temple. It's the cloud of God's presence in that cloud. God speaks. And what does he say in Mark chapter seven, verse seven, Mark chapter nine, verse seven? The cloud appeared and covered them and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love, listen to him. Listen to him. It's what God has been saying to Israel all along through his word, through his prophets, through his law, through the history of Israel, through through the wisdom of, of, of Israel, through the Psalms, all the Psalms cry out to God, listen to me. And then look what happens. Mark describes what happened next in verse eight. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. Elijah had gone. Moses had gone. The cloud of the presence of the glory of the Lord had lifted and all that was left was Jesus. And the message is, if we want the fullest revelation of God, you will find it in this person. That's what Malachi is saying. Look out for the sign. 
Find the one whom, who, who, who will meet with Moses, who will meet with Elijah and in whom all the law and the prophets will be fulfilled and met in their totality. Because what the law failed to do, he would do. What the prophets failed to do, to turn back to God, Israel, who was wandering, Jesus does by his death and resurrection. By his sending of the spirit to convict, to convict and fill and revive. It's, it's a, it's a powerful, powerful fulfillment, isn't it? But you know, that's not the last sign in Malachi 4. The last sign that Malachi promises and prophesies is a, a wonderful sign. It's that the Messiah would undo all the brokenness of this world. That's what verse six tells us. He will turn the hearts of Malachi four, verse six. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents. Or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. And the promise of his work is beautiful, isn't it? You know, earlier in Malachi chapter two, verse 10 to 16, God challenges his people because they'd abandoned God's covenant law. And their relationships were broken. So, so whereas historical Israel had wandered from God's law and caused brokenness, this final prophecy tells us the Messiah would come and undo that brokenness by his obedience to God's word. And it's a kind of all or nothing promise, isn't it? Basically, the, 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 the sentence goes like this. Either the Messiah comes as promised. And does his work or the world will be destroyed. It's frightening, isn't it? In other words, the only thing in the way of God's total destruction and judgment on this world. The total destruction as God sees a sin filled world and is filled with wrath at it and wrath at sinners like us. The only thing in the way. Is. The Messiah who would come. And it points us to the cross. Because by his fullest obedience. Jesus hung on the cross. And stood in the way of God's wrath. And he took God's wrath upon himself. And in doing so. He turned away God's wrath. The the technical term is propitiation. He turned away God's wrath. And brought us into a relationship with God. A relationship that means we can walk as his spiritually healed, spirit filled people as we trust in him. And that's why this is such good news for us today. Because whereas our world looks for hope in a vaccine and hope in a new identity or hope in a new president to undo the brokenness of our world. Our hope is only found in Jesus. He's come and he's fulfilled all that Malachi promised he would. And, you know, one day he will return. And on that day, his fulfillment of this prophecy will be even greater than before. Because on that day, he will make all things new. There will be no sickness. There will be no mourning. There will be no uncertainty. 
until that day, we have this hope that he is still working. He stands at the father's right hand. He's praying for this world and by his spirit. And by bringing people like you and me into relationship with God, he is undoing the brokenness of this world. And he waits patiently for that greater day that Malachi's uh, prophecy still promises. And on that day, and this is the glory of the last uh, sentence of the Old Testament, isn't it? On that day, what he accomplished on the cross will be fulfilled. On that day, all the brokenness of this world will finally be undone. As I said at the beginning, it's a great ending to God's word in the Old Testament. Because it points forward. It gives us hope. It tells us what to look out for. The signs of the Messiah. And it also promises us a fulfillment of all that Israel could not do. But God's greater Israel, God's great Messiah, would make all the broken things unbroken by his power and by his sacrifice.